Thank you, Nick. If you've got your Bible open, then do leave it open in front of you. Boasting of weaknesses. It's wonderful to sing and worship together. And we do that with confidence, but our confidence... Jude Baker's mum in the building? Great, there we go. Thank you, Claire. As we worship together, we do so with confidence. Confidence not in ourselves but confidence in Jesus. Our boasting and our confidence is primarily in him. That's reassuring, isn't it? It's reassuring when we can acknowledge that sometimes we feel weak and broken. We can feel fragile and imperfect. When you come to apply for a job, you're often asked to list your strengths and weaknesses. I wonder how you get on with that. You obviously want your strengths to look bigger, than your weaknesses. And if you're careful, you can try and mention your weaknesses in a way that actually are really a strength. Things like this. Has an obsession to need everything to be well organized, writes the man applying for an admin role. Can feel frustrated not being able to use my fluent German and French skills, writes the lady applying for a Spanish teaching job. Boasting of weaknesses is as countercultural now as it was in the first century. Yet this is how Paul responds to those doubting his authority as an apostle over the believers in Corinth. We've been working through this book of the Bible week by week. That's really what our chapter is about. The gift of job security and the gift of approval is something of great worth. Many of you will have experienced the lack of both and know how unsettling it can be. Well, for Paul, both his security in his role as an apostle in Corinth and his approval among the believers was being questioned by some of the believers. In chapter 10, last week, we saw how Paul's authority was challenged. But he didn't boast in himself or his influence or ministry, but called those in Corinth to boast only in the Lord. Let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Paul was a man whose approval came from the Lord, not man. But he still felt the need to defend himself from those in Corinth who didn't think he was a worthy leader to follow and had been questioning his authority. It's not uncommon for a leader to have their authority questioned. We've seen this in our government in recent months and weeks which led to Boris Johnson resigning. Fascinatingly, I don't know if some of you came across Savid Javid and some of his story. He, speaking to the BBC, talked about how when he came to resign and called for Boris to step down, it had been influenced by attending a national prayer breakfast. He said this to Sophie Rayworth of the BBC. It might sound a bit strange, but I was listening to the sermon by this amazing man, Reverend Les Isaac, some of you might have heard of him. He started Street Pastors. I was listening to him talking about the importance of integrity in public life and just focusing on that. I made up my mind. I went straight back to my office and drafted the resignation letter and went to see the Prime Minister later in the day. He, like many others, were too concerned about Boris Johnson's integrity, or he would claim lack of it so much so that his job security and approval has now gone. Paul is adamant in writing that his job security and approval should stay intact. 
and that his critics weren't those who would decide this anyway, as he was called by God for his role as apostle among the believers in Corinth. Paul is concerned that just as Eve was deceived and led astray, so the believers in Corinth are being led astray from what verse 3 calls a sincere and pure devotion to Christ by those who preach a different gospel from the one they accepted, a different Jesus to the one that Paul had told them about. And so he engages in what he calls in verse 1 foolish talk, foolishness, to firstly respond to the reasons why some claim that Paul has no right to boast, and secondly, why in a sense actually he had every right to boast before he returns to the idea that any boasting for him was to be boasting in the Lord or boasting in weakness. So firstly, he responds to this claim that Paul had no right to boast at all. Paul was not inferior to what he calls the super apostles in verse 5 who exalted themselves and were looking to gain the following of the Corinthian believers. They claimed to be superior to Paul on the grounds of having traveled further and had an abundance of so-called divine revelations. They may have said he was an untrained speaker in verse 6 and unimpressive, but Paul responds with the fact that he did have knowledge in verse 6, knowledge about the gospel that he was willing to pass on to others free of charge. Paul's been careful not to be a burden to the believers in Corinth, having got financial support from other believers who came from Macedonia to supply what he needed. You might know that Paul worked as a tent maker in order to not be a burden whilst he was with the church he had planted in Corinth. But his refusal to accept their payment has clearly caused some offence, brought up again by those ministering now accepting a payment for themselves. He could defend himself as a credible, humble, and faithful leader who most importantly, as verse 10 tells us, had the truth of Christ in him. And despite the critiques about how he handled himself and not taking money, he iterates his genuine love for the community in Corinth in verse 11. In his defense, Paul is humble yet clear that he's knowledgeable, that he has the truth of Christ in him, and that he's full of love for the believers he's writing to. Sometimes we can feel a bit like intruders or fakes. Or we might feel other people see us this way. We might have what we call imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome refers to the internal experience of believing that you're not as competent as others perceive you to be. I did a running event back in November, and the runners were called to the start. And only about four people dared to go into what was called the elite area. And so there I was, floating behind them, just thinking, I shouldn't be here. This is not where I should be. I felt like an imposter. I remember going to an event in what Lindsay and I used to call our red fire engine, lovely Peugeot car. But it wasn't particularly kept clean. It made a few interesting noises. And we turned up to this event, which was full of shiny Range Rovers and BMWs. And we felt like we shouldn't be there. Sometimes we can feel a little bit like imposters 
as believers in Jesus. And this was the aim, really, of what Paul's critics, they were trying to make him feel like he wasn't worthy, that he wasn't in the right role, that he was an imposter and they were the super apostles. Paul wasn't looking for an opportunity to big himself up, but he engages in their foolish way of talking and he defends himself. I wonder if you can relate to ever doubting yourself as a true disciple and feeling like a little bit of an imposter. We don't have the right car and you don't need to have it all together. Nicky Gumbel says that churches are not places that display perfect people. They're hospitals where the wounded, hurt, injured, and broken can find healing. If you feel like an imposter as a disciple sometimes, let me ask you two simple questions that we can connect with Paul from this passage. Do you have the truth of Christ in you? Or do you want to have the truth of Christ in you? Do you accept who he is and trust in him? Are you full of love for God's people? Or do you want to be full of love for God's people? If you can say yes to having the truth of Christ in you, if you can say yes to wanting to love God's people, then there is no need to feel like an imposter. Like Paul, you are okay for true boasting as we learn in this chapter, isn't based on our own merits anyway, but being found in Christ, even when, and maybe especially when, we are weak. So Paul has defended himself. But then he goes on to say that actually he has every right to boast himself. He has every right to boast. Continuing to speak as a fool, he makes it clear, not as the Lord would make him talk, But in this worldly way, in response to the worldly arguments of the believers, he goes on to name his credentials in the same kind of foolish way that those of you who've watched The Apprentice might have seen some of the candidates do when they're presenting themselves, putting themselves forward. It was the custom of the day to boast of achievements publicly for one's own glory, particularly politically and military. The boasting of the super apostles left Paul with little choice but to join in, to join in their foolish ways and to boast too. And so he does. This is what he says. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this, but I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pouted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and had often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. If one was going to boast, then Paul was qualified to boast, more so than anyone else he's made it clear in this passage. He was from the right family line. He had suffered like few others had for Jesus. 
He'd been in constant danger and had worked incredibly hard. Sometimes, and unhelpfully, we can downplay our own stories of God's grace in our lives. But Paul shares much of his story here. It's a story that presents him in lots of ways as weak. If we're going to compare stories, Paul is going to win on drama, on commitment, and on danger. He makes it clear that he's out of his mind to talk in this way in verse 23. And we could be tempted to join in with our own credentials and qualifications that qualify us to be called and be used by God. It's important to note that much of Paul's boasting is actually about difficulty and struggle, hardship and weakness. In contrast to arguments of superiority, Paul lists sufferings, lashes and shipwrecks, all sorts of dangers, sleeplessness and hunger, being cold and naked, hardly achievements to mention with pride in public. I wore my special t-shirt today. Some of you might have seen this before. It was given to me by my good friends, the Blaney's in the church. If you can't see at the back, it says Super Rev. And I'd just like to take a moment at why you should address me properly uh, in this <laughs> church, actually, friends. Uh, many of you might know I have served the Lord in Bath, in Southampton, in Brazil, and in Burkina Faso. I now am a reverend, and I have a qualification in theology, and I should be addressed properly, okay? <laughs> I don't normally wear this T-shirt. In fact, I feel a little bit awkward about wearing this T-shirt. In some places, they say, shall we call you Father Andy? No, Andy is fine. Paul's approach wasn't a boasting in all his achievements approach, really. And it shouldn't be ours, and I'm not going to make it my approach. We need to acknowledge that in our strength alone, we're not actually qualified to be ambassadors of Jesus. And Paul wasn't qualified on his own. He was not an apostle due to his own strength and qualifications, but, God, but by God's grace for whom he was willing to suffer. How could we be qualified on our own when we're sinful and we're broken, when we lose enthusiasm and when we doubt and when Jesus is perfect and pure and steadfast? This is why Paul calls this kind of argument foolishness. Several times in our reading, he makes it clear. Paul concludes his argument in this chapter by returning to his weakness again in verse 29. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. He admits the danger of sin in his own life. And he has a different kind of boasting a boasting in weakness, a boasting that's not about him, but about the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever. He's nearly lost his life in Damascus as he was lowered down through the wall. This is his response to those who see themselves as superior. No badge and title or t-shirt and guard of honor, but reminding of himself curled up in a basket. This was Paul's boast, a boasting of weakness in the Lord. Next week, we'll see that Paul claims that when he's weak, it's then that he finds strength, that he is strong in the Lord. You see, Paul has defended himself as not disqualified, according to his peers. Maybe you can just move it on for me, Cherry. 
Thank you. Paul defends himself as not disqualified, but by engaging in foolish talk, neither does he claim to be qualified, but he boasts in Christ and his own weakness. When we think or hear that we are disqualified from being used by Jesus in whatever role, normally an unnamed, unseen role, may we come back to a reassurance that, like Paul, that we simply have the truth of Christ in us and a love for others. When we're tempted to be arrogant and proud, may God in his grace humble us and remind us that yes, we're qualified, but only in and through faith in Jesus, who lived a perfect life and died in our place, who rose again and sent his spirit so that we could be part of his family and used and equipped by him. Jesus, who became weak and broken, so that in our weakness we may boast as we share in his life and strength and resurrection power. As Paul writes elsewhere, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So, church family, don't hide your weakness. We can be real about it with each other and with the Lord, knowing that God calls weak people to love and serve him, that he equips us, not as those in superior to others, but actually as what he calls co-heirs, co-workers, as ambassadors for Jesus. Our boasting is not in ourselves, but that in our weakness. And in our weakness, we can find strength and help and salvation in Jesus. We find approval with God because we are in Jesus. Paul boasted in his weakness, and so too can we. In a moment, we're going to finish with a song if the band want to join me. It has a wonderful verse in it that says this. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, in his death and resurrection. If you're able to, could you stand with me? I'm going to pray and we're going to sing this song. Lord, thank you that like Paul, we have found truth in Christ. And we want to say again, Jesus, that we trust you as our saviour. And Lord, we pray that you'd fill us with a love for others. And before you as well, Lord, we acknowledge that we are weak, that we can't do things on our own, that our enthusiasm, it, it fades, that sometimes we doubt, that we are not always steadfast, that this week there have been moments when we have sinned. But we thank you that our boasting is in you, Jesus, who died and rose again, who ascended to heaven and is sat at the right hand of the Father. We thank you that when we're weak, we find strength in you. And so again, we place our confidence and our trust in you, that we find strength in you. Lord, for times when we've been prideful and arrogant, we repent and we say sorry. And we give you permission, Holy Spirit, now to do that in each of our lives. We want to be humble before you, Jesus, our Savior. Our boasting is in you alone. Amen.